as many of y'all know, is Veterans Day, and so I'm going to start off in just a few moments of telling a story that's going to involve a veteran, but I, what I'd like to do is I'd just like, for those of you who are military or you've served in the past, if you would, we'd just like to recognize you, and if you would do that, if you would just simply stand up and we can uh, just recognize you. Yeah. We are very grateful for you guys and, and your service to us. And so um, in, in that light, I was also thinking about, of course, it's Veterans Day today, today. My wife is a teacher. I guess in a sense there's another group of veterans right there. Um, when we were – I could not teach. Um, I have seen uh, – I've, I've seen some of the I – mean, kids are great, love them to death, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think they're all great, except for, you know, my kids are the best and everybody else's, you know, whatever. But um, Emily, you know, tells me stuff, and uh, I'm thinking, I would be in jail if I was a teacher. And so I just, there's a story that has a military guy involved in it. I thought this is a great story. Uh, there's a kid on a plane, five-year-old kid. They're trying to take off. This kid's pitching a fit. And uh, they cannot control this kid. The mother can't get him to calm down. He's kicking the seat in front of him, and he will not put on a seatbelt. And so this is going on, everybody's getting frustrated because they can't leave until this kid buckles up. And so at the back of the plane, there is an elderly uh, Marine wearing his uniform, he's got a bunch of ribbons on, and he just very slowly gets up and he walks forward and he sees the boy and he, he just sort of sees him, everybody sees him, he's sort of pointing at his ribbons and, and he whispers something to the kid and he stands up and nods at him and then walks back to his seat. Now, when he does this, the little boy immediately gets quiet. Uh, he fastens his seatbelt and grabs his mom's hand. And the entire plane erupts in applause. I mean, everybody's so excited that this kid finally shut up. Now, there was a flight attendant that came over. She's curious what's going on. She said, I- I've got to ask you, how in the world did you get that kid to be quiet? And uh, he said, well, he just kind of smiled. said, it was real simple. It's not that big of a deal. He said, I just walked over to him. And I said, uh, I pointed at my ribbons and said, I just want you to know that these ribbons give me the right, after the plane takes off, to throw one passenger off the plane. <laughs> just love that story. And uh, I'm trying to encourage Emily to start wearing ribbons when she teaches at school. But that is just such an awesome story. Now, I love people who are in charge like that. You know, people who are in control. But here's what I'm figuring out. The, the older I get the more I realize that really I don't have control over anything. I really don't. And so that's sort of depressing, that's frightening, and, and then you know, we can allow that to sort of you know, carry over into our relationship with God, and we begin to wonder, does God even have control over anything? I mean, we see that you know, y'all, it doesn't take long to figure out. When you look at our world today, our world, in a sense, is, is on fire. I mean, there's so many things that, that cause consternation for us right now, and we begin to wonder, where's God? Does God know what's going on in our world? Well, here's the good news. The good news is we are continuing our series called Simplify, which simply means always faithful. And throughout this series, we are seeing some different characteristics of God that demonstrate the faithfulness of God regardless of what goes on around us. And one of the things that we're going to be looking at today, or the thing we're looking at today, is that God demonstrates his faithfulness to us in that he provides his people with security. Now, today in our passage of scripture, as we look into it, we're going to see Jesus basically sharing with people who he was. 
Now, at the time, there were, there were some people just really weren't too sure about who Jesus was, and Jesus was identifying himself as the Son of God, saying, I am the way into a relationship with God. And there were some people who believed that, there were others who didn't, but the main point of our text today is that Jesus was saying, I want you to understand that regardless of the world and it falling apart all around you, that I provide people, my people, with security. And so there is no reason to fear. And so if you have your Bible, I, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 10. We're going to look in uh, verse number 27 in just a few moments. It's Jesus speaking, and these four verses we'll read. So John chapter 10, verse number 27. And the background of the text is it's very, it's very easy, or very simple to see. Jesus is pointing out who he is, pointing out that he provides security. And so the question is, well, how does God, in the midst of a world that is on fire, and I'm sure every generation says this, but I think the longer we go, y'all, I don't believe in evolution, I believe in devolution. As time goes by, things naturally deteriorate. And so as that happens, the question is, how does, how does God provide security in the midst of a world like this? And I want you to have hope today. Here's, here's how God does it. Now, the first thing that Jesus points out to us is he lets us know that he gives us a provision of security in that God knows his people. God knows his followers. Uh, look in verse 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, Jesus uses an interesting description here, analogy And saying that his relationship with his people is just like a shepherd's relationship with his sheep. Excuse me there. uh, With his sheep. Now, the people in Israel, I mean, this made sense to them. You know, the reason why is because that was an actual vocation. Shepherd. They saw shepherds all the time. I've shared this with you before. If you go to Israel today, that there are still shepherds today. Uh, And I've told you all this before. One of my favorite scenes of all time when we've been in Israel is seeing the shepherd riding a camel, herding his flock together, talking on a cell phone. I just think that's such a cool thing. But it's still, it is still a vocation in Israel today. And Jesus is letting us know that God knows his people just like a shepherd knows his sheep. Now, how well did a shepherd know a sheep? Well, he understood the value of a sheep. It was his livelihood. I mean, what does sheep provide for the people? It provided clothing, the wool, it provided meat. And so he was going to do whatever he could in order to take care of those sheep. And our text says that Jesus knows his sheep. Uh, That word know means more than an intellectual knowledge. It doesn't mean to just to know about. It means to know intimately, as in relationship. Now, why would a shepherd know his sheep intimately. It's because he's with them all the time. You know, shepherds don't, you know, it, it's a tough job. I mean, you're always with your sheep. You have, to, you have to provide for them. You have to feed them. You have to protect them. You have to water them. You don't go on like a two-week vacation and just say, hey, sheep, have a good time. Uh, I'll be back and I'll take care of you later. A shepherd always has to be with his sheep. And because he's with the sheep, he learns all about the sheep. You know, to me, and I'm sure to you, we look at sheep, and they all look alike, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of white, they're furry, and they have, like, black faces, and they, you know, they're just, I guess they look kind of fat, and we know that they make strange noises. They all look, I mean, they look the same to me. But a shepherd 
he paid attention to his sheep, and he learned their personalities. They had personalities. He learned what made some of them afraid. He learned what some of them, where some of them felt comfortable. He knew their distinguishing traits. He was able to tell them apart. And the idea here is that God knows us like that. God knows you. He knows his followers. He knows what makes you afraid. He knows what brings you comfort. He knows everything about you. Say, how well does he know me? Well, King David pointed out how well he knows us when he said in Psalm 139, 1-6, he said, Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Now think about that one. That makes me nervous. He says, you have encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. And this extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty, and I am unable to reach it. Now when I think of that, in one sense that does make me nervous. God knows me. And he doesn't just know me on Sunday mornings. He knows me on Monday. He knows me when I'm not. He knows you at your best and at your worst. And that's frightening in one sense. The other side of it, though, is because God knows us, it also means that God understands exactly what we need. And so the question for us is, well, who's our shepherd? You know, who, who is the shepherd of your life. You must say, I don't know who my shepherd is. How am I supposed to know who my shepherd is? Well, Jesus points it out to us in our text today, and he lets us know. He says, listen, my sheep hear my voice. He says, and I know them. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Now, the people who lived in Israel at this time, of course, would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. They would have understand this, understood this idea. It was not uncommon for shepherds, when it became evening, to get all of their sheep, all their flocks, different flocks, and bring them together to sleep in the same pen. And they'd sleep in the same pen. Now again, sheep, to me, they all look alike. So how can you tell who's is who? The next morning, the shepherd would get up, and one of the shepherds would come out, and he'd call out to his sheep. And his sheep would stand up, and they would come to his voice. Now, why would they do that? Because they knew his voice and they knew he was the one who provided for them. The sheep, when they heard his voice, they didn't run away from him. What the sheep did is they got up and they ran to him. Because they knew that he was one that they could trust. Now the significance there is one, is they knew his voice. The other part of it is that the shepherd knew who his sheep were. And if he had a sheep that was missing, then he immediately knew it. Guys, let me tell you something. With God and his relationship with you and with me, it's not like world events catch God off guard. And God's like, oh my goodness, what just happened here? I don't know where my people are. I don't know how to take care of them. God is never caught off guard. He knows who his people are. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, it says, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Do you belong to Jesus? Because you have no reason to fear. If you belong to him, it means 
that he has your life in his hands. And he will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter what the world might tell you, no matter what circumstances look like. God says, I'm still with my people. There was a boy, and he was traveling with his parents to his grandparents, and they lived nine miles away. He's about five years old. They get on the road. They're going there for Thanksgiving. It's really foggy. And so the boy got nervous, and he kept talking to his dad. He's like, Dad, it's foggy out there. You might need to slow down. Dad, do you know where you're going? And he's just sort of nervous and tentative because it was it's a pretty thick fog. And so the mother turned around and looked at the boy, and she said, she said Son, don't worry. She said, your, your dad's been down this road before. And what that boy didn't know is that, that man, he, he grew up there. He spent his boyhood riding his bike up and down that road. He knew every little nook and cranny of that road. Now, the idea here is for, is for us, you know, in life, man, some, life, life gets really foggy sometimes, you know? There's stuff that happens that we didn't plan for, that, we, you know, that we'd like to see different. It gets foggy. And we begin to wonder, you know, God, man, man, do you know what's going on here? Lord, do, do you know where you are? And, and we need to listen to the voice like that mother who just simply is telling us, and Scripture's telling us, hey, you can relax. God's been down this road before. He's going to take care of his people. Now, how does, how does Jesus provide us with security? Well, he lets us know God knows his followers. I want you to know today, God knows you. If you're a follower of Jesus, God knows you. But the second thing that I want you to see in the way that God or Jesus demonstrates to us his provision of security is God promises his people will never perish. That's a promise from God. He's my people will never perish. Now look with me in verse number uh, 28. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, I don't want you all to leave here today thinking that this is talking about the fact that, yippee, we all avoid death. Uh, we all know the stats on death, right? I mean, it's, we're, it's, it's happen, happening to all of us. What this verse is talking about is not about your physical life, the body that you have right now. That word perish, it means to destroy Jesus said you will never be destroyed. It's speaking of the future. After we die, Jesus is saying, for those who are followers of Christ, he said you will not be destroyed by the fires of hell. Say so God has prepared a place for you for an eternity in heaven. Now that sounds great, but you might say, but what if I really mess up? You know, what if I really make God angry? Is there ever going to be that time when God just says, okay, I'm done with him? I've moved, he's moved beyond his relationship with me. Well, when I look at our text, the answer comes to us in verse 28. It says, his followers will never perish. That's a pretty significant word, never. That word never, it means by no means. By no means will you be destroyed. Now, I want to make a little disclaimer here. And that is just because a person claims to be a follower of Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that they are. And I'm not trying to cast doubt in your mind here. It's just something that Jesus actually brought up. Jesus said in Matthew 7:21, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven." Now you need to let that verse sink in for a second. Not everyone who says, "Lord, Lord," will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's like, for instance, I can say a whole lot of things that doesn't necessarily mean the truth. 
I can tell y'all that I'm the President of the United States. Am I? Then absolutely not. Now, I can say it with all my heart. How can you know that I'm not the President? Well, one dead giveaway is where I live. I don't commute here from D.C. every every Sunday. You know, I live in Long Creek. Um, I, I, you, you can know that I'm not the President of the United States. My wife is the President of our house. And so, you know, I mean, there's no way that I'm in charge of anything. Now, here's the deal. If I'm guided by Christ and I am living according to his leadership, then I belong to him. Now, you might say, well, maybe somebody can steal you away from God. You know, the, the analogy of sheep and shepherds. Somebody can steal the sheep. And that's true, you know, that's true for shepherds that are, that are over in Israel right now. But it's totally different when you talk about the good shepherd, when you talk about God, the shepherd. You see, he's a, he's a God who has charge over all things. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in verse 28. He said, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Nobody can take God's people, his sheep, away from him. He repeated this in verse number 29. Again, he says, nobody's going to snatch you out of the hand of God. It's a double emphasis reminding us that we are completely secure in our relationship with God. It's like a carpenter. When a carpenter drives a nail into a board and he wants it to stay, on the backside, he bends it over. That's what Jesus is doing right here. He's bending that nail over, double securing it down. So you are secure in your relationship with God. Once you become a part of the flock of God, you belong to his flock forever. You are secure in him also, I think about, you know, security and how we have security in others. And, um, I, I've, you know, I have three children. And I remember when they were all younger, that, you know, you, when, you remember whenever, and for those of you who are parents, remember you take your kid to the pool during the summer. And, you know, it's always that challenge to get them to finally jump in the pool on their own. And so, you know, you get them to jump in finally. They jump in and, and they're excited because they know if they reach you, they know that you're going you're gonna to hang on to them, right? I mean, parents don't back away and say, you know, sink or swim, buddy. I mean, at least most of y'all, I'm sure some of you probably do, but uh, most of us don't do that. You know, we grab onto our kids, and so our kids are reaching out because they know that if they get a hold of dad or mom, they're secure. Now, our kids would do that, and it was fun to have them in the water, the shallow end. You kind of swing them around and throw them up in the air. And then, you know, being, being I, the dad that I am, you know, I like to take my kids, I'd like to, not anymore, but when they were smaller, take my kids, and then we'd start going out to the deeper end, and, you know, I'd say, we're getting deeper, we're getting deeper, and the kids would get, they'd get nervous, which was fun, and, uh, you know, and they, they would grab on, and the deeper I'd get, you know, the tighter they'd hang on to me. Now, here's the deal. They, there's no reason for them to feel completely secure in the shallow end, because if I had to let go of them, the water is still over their head in the shallow end. And it's the same thing was true when I got deeper. The, what provided them security was I, I was hanging on to them. That's frightening, isn't it? I'm, I was their security blanket. But I, I was hanging on to them. But that's the only reason why they should have had security. And I think sometimes in life we feel like that, you know, it's, it's, especially I think when we're younger and things are going well and we're in good health, we have nothing to worry about, we feel like, man, I'm okay. We're just totally relaxed. And I'm not trying to make you, you know, have anxiety attacks or anything. Let me tell you something. Any stage of life that you were in, you were very vulnerable. Whether you're in the shallow end of life or whenever you get older and things begin to get deeper and deeper and deeper, 
you're still vulnerable all the way through. There's only one thing that provides you with security. And it's the Father who is hanging on to you. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 46, 1 and 2. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Our security is in the one who holds his people. See, God provides security for us. He lets us know that he knows his followers. He lets us know his people will never perish. And that's the last thing that I want you to see. We have security because God's followers are his children. children. You can, you can have, have security, security today, today knowing God's, God's followers are his children. Last, Last couple, couple of verses, verses I'll read to you right, right now. now. Uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus said, said I, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Now, if I'm investing in something, I want to make sure that what I'm investing in, in is something that's going to be true. That's going to have payback for me. I want to invest in something that even if the economy takes a hit, that I know that it's, it's going to provide stability. We don't just do this in, with the economy. We do this you know, with your car. You know, when you buy a new car, you want to make sure that other than the fact that it looks good, I mean, you want the car to work. You want to make sure that it's a, it's a good make, it's a good model, that it's going to get you from point A to B. You're looking for security. I mean, it would be wise for us to do that as well when it comes to our eternities. To look for security. To look for something that, or someone that's going to be steady and true. And Jesus lets us know that when you follow, you say, listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm a worthy person to follow. Why? He said, because I provide security and I have strength and power over all things. There's nothing that has victory over our God. Nothing. Romans 8. 38 and 39 says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we become a follower of God, when we put ourselves under his leadership, we also become a part of his family. In Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent a son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has also made you an heir. Y'all understand this. We are not naturally born into God's family. Now, I know that is contrary to what the world tells us over and over again, what religion tells us. You know, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. See, before we are able to be in the family of God, you know what's to happen? We have to be adopted into God's family because by nature... Yeah, I'm evil. By nature. By nature, we are objects of God's wrath, according to Ephesians. So to, to overcome that, God has to adopt us. I think adoption is, is, we have a lot of couples in our church who have adopted kids. 
I think it's one of the neatest things. And one of the things I think that is so neat about adoption is that the parents choose their kids. Now, if you're, if you're an adoptive kid, adopted kid, that's pretty special. Uh, with my kids, I love them to death. Y'all, I didn't choose them. Uh, you know, they just sort of, it just sort of happened. It was like, well, we're going to have kids. Now, I love them to death, but adoptive children are chosen by the parents. And when they're adopted into the family, they receive the family name. And they become heirs of their parents. That is the same thing that happens when God brings us into his family. And once you enter into a family, you are always in a family. Always. I have three children, Hank, Glenn, and Janie. Greatest kids in the world. I'm sure your kids are great, not as great as mine. Like my kids a lot. But you know what? As much as I like my kids, there, are, there have been times, and I'm sure there will be times, when they're going to be disobedient. When they're going to do things that, that I do not desire them to do. Do things that can disappoint. But let me tell you something. Regardless of how they live and what they do, and we're praying for the best, they're going to always be our kids. Yeah, they're always gonna. They're always gonna. I'm always gonna be their daddy. Uh, for better, or for worse, they are stuck with my DNA. All right, I mean, it's not like you can just get rid of it. They can't mark it out of them. They are always going to be my children. Same thing is true with God. Once we become His children, we're always His. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we're a part of God's family, one thing that we can do is we can be confident that we always belong to Him. We can find security in knowing that we are always a part of God's family. Jesus shows us today security, real security. Real hope. It's not found in politics. It's not found in your wallet. It is found in Jesus. And that's it. Now how can we know we have security in him? God knows his followers. His followers are promised eternal life. And his followers are his children. Here's the question. Are you a part of his, are you part of his flock? Are you one of his sheep? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, you can today. You can know. You say, how does that happen? Very simple. One of the, the, the first one of the first messages Jesus preached, one of the first things he said is he tells us that we are to repent from our sin. It means to turn away from living for self, to seek forgiveness for being outside the boundaries and leadership of God's direction and call out to him to rescue us. If you've never done that before or you're not positive, do it today. Why? You want security in this life, a world that is in turmoil and it always will be. You need to have your life anchored in one who is always true, the Good Shepherd.